Intent-Based Networking, episode 42. Welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets out there. Today, I have another episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. As always, my goal is to provide you with real-world context around technology. I'm your host, ZigZiga. I want to say welcome back to the show and thank you all for listening. Today's show is covering uh, intent-based networking. Um, It's a market term. It's a sales term, and potentially it's much, much more. But before we start, let's introduce our guest expert, my good friend, Phil Gervasi. Hey, Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, Zig. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Sure thing, man. So um, I appreciate it. I know we've been talking for a while to kind of get a show together. I think this Mm -hmm. is a great topic, first off, and it's great to get you on on the podcast. So again, thank you for joining. Um, Do you want to maybe give us a little kind of background of who you are, uh, what your expertises are, your experiences, et cetera? Sure. So I have been a traditional network engineer for most of my career. I just transitioned into a pre-sales role, but I work for a, a national VAR. Uh, so I come to the, the this conversation from kind of an independent perspective. I don't work for a networking vendor that sells an intent-based networking platform. And the reason I'm, I, I just got interested in this topic a few years ago, uh, maybe three years ago, and this is before Cisco came out with Network Intuitive, before... Um, Appstra was a well-known name and things like that. And I just heard the term somewhere and and it piqued my interest and I started researching it and I've kind of gone with it ever since. Um, I have written a couple of white papers now. One is on um, uh, Packet Pushers Ignition, a couple of blog posts, um, did a video on it a couple of years ago. It's just something I'm very interested in lately. But as far as my experience is concerned, um, I definitely come to the topic from the perspective of a traditional route switch engineer. Yes, I do security and, and voice reluctantly, but that is my background. So, Well, thanks again. appreciate the little brief intro. So um, kind of teeing up on what you just said. So we're going to try to keep it vendor vendor neutral as always, um, but we're going to go into some detail on intent-based networking and what it is and, and what it isn't, right? Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's just keep going then. Okay, great. So I think it's important to talk about the fact that there is quite a bit of marketing hype out there. And you did mention that in the introduction. So the term intent-based networking has become very popular, but I don't feel like we should just therefore throw it out. I think as engineers, as kind of the nerds of the industry, we get jaded with the marketing and the sales stuff. I don't know about you, but I- We do. Yeah. Uh, uh, the sales conferences, I love the fact that there's like tons of free food and cool stuff, but it is eye roll city for me, you know? So, um, but that doesn't mean that intent-based networking in and of itself is, is doesn't exist or is bad or is just a marketing term. I, I think it's been um, misappropriated by many vendors, but intent-based networking itself, and I've been doing the research, it is a thing. And I really believe that it's a, um, it's a paradigm shift in how we do network operations. So in that sense, it's, it's more of a, it's a workflow, not an appliance that you can go out and buy. I mean, it is an appliance in that there are, are vendors selling their, uh, their, their, their products. Yeah. Their proprietary systems or whatever. Right. Right. But ultimately from a high level, it, it is a workflow. It's not like somebody invented a new routing protocol. These are all tools that we kind of know. Um, and so what, what what these vendors are doing are applying known methods, things that we're familiar with, in a new way, um, in very complex workflows. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to downplay it. Um, in order to create a change in how we do uh, network operations or NetOps, which is another buzzword. But I like that buzzword. So we'll, we'll go with it. Well, there's NetOps. There's NetDevOps. There's a whole bunch of net new mm-hmm. terms. But so if I can ask a question, right? So because that's, that's what I like to do, right? So... Um, so in my mind, right or wrong, I look at IBN. Uh, so intent-based networking is IBN for short. It's, I, I always abbreviate it too. So if I say that, I mean, I, that's what I mean. IBN's more like, is it, to you, is it more like a concept? That, not exactly. It is a, it's an actual methodology that um, we can look at specific technologies that are used to get there, a methodology for network operations. Now, you know, right now it looks like a lot of the IBM vendors are focused on the data center more than other areas. And, and it's probably because it's, it's still a growing and maturing technology. Um, so we'll probably see it expand into more areas of the network. Um, and, and some vendors are even talking about it in other areas of the network, like the campus and the WAN and things like that. Um, but ultimately it's, it's a progression from 
I mean, we can, you know how we can talk about network operations and using Python and back in the day, Perl and expect scripts and TCL, you know, you can unbox things like that. Right. Um, and it got a little bit more advanced with off box things like Python and, and Ansible down, which is a really great tool to be able to you know piece those things together. Um, and then we started to develop, um, or vendors started to develop orchestration platforms, which sort of brought it to the next level, where you started to have a little bit more of an abstraction between the operator, the network operator, and the devices that they were managing. And you might even introduce some machine-to-machine automation instead of uh, specifically operator-to-machine. Um, and so that's the next iteration. And I believe that intent-based networking is going to the to the next level. So you see how it's kind of a progression um, of network operations. So in that sense, I don't see it as kind of just a pure new technology, a pure um, uh, just some protocol that somebody invented, but a new way to do or, or a progression of, of how we're doing network operations. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. And so uh, some things that you want to keep in mind is that we're applying things from the the, the software development world, like the continuous integration, continuous depl- uh, the deployment workflow, CICD. Um, people have been doing that in developer world for a long time, and it's now being applied to the network infrastructure. So again, that's that's kind of the thought that it's not necessarily new technology. It's just taking what we know and uh, expanding upon it and applying it in new ways, in this case specifically, the network. Yeah, it's something that's already known out there in a different, I guess, mm-hmm. if you want to call it a different field or whatever, a different subfield or whatever, but it, it's just something that's already been done in, with de- with developers for years, CICD, um, and, and now we're just applying it within the networking side of things, which that's is exactly. actually a huge deal. I mean, that, that's, we're just re kind of, we're not making a huge change to the process. We're just taking that whole entire workflow um, creating our own workflows, of course, with CICD and applying that straight into the, the network side of things. Yeah, you, you make it sound a little bit easier than it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not just taking it and plopping it on top of the network. There is a tremendous amount of work that these vendors are doing to get there because it is new and the network is different than software because we're talking about, you know, you think about all the different elements of a network. It's not just a bunch of routers and switches. You got to you gotta boil it down to every single interface, every single, you know, BGP configuration and ASN and, and cable. You want to get into that. And then every t- different brand because a lot of the intent-based networking vendors, not all, are, are uh, they seek to be vendors agnostics. Now you're talking about various brands, various platforms within that brand. Um, so the number of objects that you're managing can easily get into the millions. They're scaling really high. On it, it does yeah, very you. quickly, very quickly. And, and not only that, um, we're talking about um, managing all of that um, in, in, a, in a real-time scenario. Um, including with ephemeral information, like interface statistics, you know, what's going on? What does my Mac table look like at any given moment? So it's, it's, it's a lot of the same things we, that folks do in software developer development world, but it is it is a different ballgame. Okay. I think it's important to look at what the actual problem is that we're trying to solve here, right? So network operations, I mean, what would you say network operations is all about? You know, what do we do on a day-to-day basis? And I'll just throw that to you. Yeah, so network operations is going to be like maintaining and operating or maintaining and uh, operations and maintenance of the network infrastructure. Um, would be my thought, right? So I call it yeah. O and M. Um, so it's you know upgrading and uh, upgrading code if you needed, fixing things, doing move add changes, that kind of stuff. And in other maybe in other kind of um, environments like you know the government environment might be doing uh, compliance checks and um, all that kind of stuff, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately think about it. What does it boil down to? It boils down to managing actual network appliances, right? Yeah. Yeah. So all the things that you mentioned are, you know, code on routers and, you know, interface statistics on switches. I mean, all the uh, compliance, you know, are, is the configuration or are, are, do we have you know passwords on our BGP adjacencies, what, whatever it happens to be. And you can, of course, you can take that to its extreme. But in any case, we're talking about managing devices, pushing config to them, uh, pulling information from them. Again, sometimes short-lived ephemeral information, so it makes it a little bit more difficult. And the other thing is that you know how it works, right? You have like ACL creep, crawl, what is that called? You know what I mean? When you're yeah, on a yeah, firewall. Yeah. And an ACL have, that never ends and you just keep adding right. more and more stuff and you don't yeah, know if those rules are that. being used. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't know if the official term, I'm sure someone out there will tell us. I don't know, well, but yeah, I've yeah. been there. In project management, we call it scope creep when the project gets a little bit out of hand. So whatever, ACL creep, whatever it's called. But you have those elements where the, the, the network sort of kind of grows organically and changes organically over time, especially as you have peop- different people as the network manager and different engineers coming in and out and different vendors. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Yep. 
Exactly. So do you ever really know that what where the network is in any given time? You know, some people do where they can walk around, they can tell you what cable a particular packet is going through <laughs> at any given time. <laughs> it's, probably speaking, it's probably not the norm. It's probably not the norm. Yeah, that's not the norm. But generally speaking, especially when you get into larger networks that are pushing new applications regularly, um, and we'll get to that. I'm going to talk about the use cases for IBM. Um, we don't really know exactly what our network is or what it looks like in, in really any great depth and accuracy at any given time. So IBM helps to solve that problem as well. Now, that's not the end goal, but that's part of it. So Okay. So if, so we're still kind of the introduction of IBM and the concept or what IBM is, right? Um, so so real quick, right? I know I made a, a quick question earlier about what if it's just a concept, right? But my my understanding, and it gets thrown around a lot, right? So my understanding is um, IBM is an intent. It says intent in the, in the name, right? But the idea is that you can push your intent down to everything, in the environment, right, um, from wherever you are, if it's network orchestration or wherever you are, if it's appliance. We're not saying it's just an appliance. And I, IBN is the entire solution, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, but it's not just the intent, right? It, it's it's the intent, but it's also constant kind of learning and monitoring of the entire enterprise. Enterprise right. sounds kind of like spacey, but that's that's <laughs> really what it is, right? So that's correct. And so we, yeah, we've been dancing around the definition for a little bit. That's true for the first few minutes here. Um, so let's, let's get right to it. Intent-based networking is going to be the next progression after orchestration. So now what we're going to do is incorporate all those millions of objects that we have in the network into a CI/CD workflow. We're going to abstract everything into lines of code. So we're not actually interfacing with ports and cables and, and ASNs and stuff like that. It's all going to exist as resources in, in, you know, uh, in, in a, in a database. And we'll talk about what kind of database. Um, and, and that's the key is that the entire network is abstracted. So it can be incorporated into a CI CD workflow. Now we can run scripts against that. And I don't mean just simple scripts. I mean, this is in the entire you know, uh, platform that we're running here. Um, so we can continually look at what the network is doing and then validate it against some sort of benchmark, some sort of reference architecture is what some people call it. Um, I know Abstra calls that a blueprint. Um, it's basically, uh, and we'll use the term reference architecture because that's more uh, agnostic. It's basically, this is what um, an EVPN configuration should look like. This is what a clause topology looks like. And it doesn't matter if it's Arista or Cisco switches or whatever. This is what a clause topology looks like. Here are the, the resource pools of ASNs and IP addresses and switches that you can pull from. This is what it's supposed to look like. So that exists logically as, in, as code in, in the, this reference architecture. And so now if all the millions of other elements of the network exist as code, you can do like, you know how you can just do a diff in Linux. Yeah, you can yeah. look at the differences and say, all right, we have a discrepancy. And so there's your continual validation. Continual validation is something that's also part of the developer world that we're now going to uh, apply to the network. But but continual validation is, is just the next step. That's not quite intent-based networking yet. That's where I think a lot of vendors stop, by the way. Um, a lot of vendors that are doing intent-based networking are doing kind of advanced orchestration and then they talk about a little visibility, some kind of continual validation. And that's a, those are good things. I'm not trying to knock that. You know, those are really good advancements in networking. But what happens is we go to the next step now. An IBM platform is going to then say, we have this discrepancy. Let's kick off these things to fix it. Push the configure. Remember, we're, we're actually managing devices. That's the whole point here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to push this configuration to these devices, whether we're modeling it first, like forward networks has uh, the ability to model the network and then test and check paths and things. It's really, really interesting stuff. Um, whether we're modeling or not, we're able to push configuration to fix that issue and bring it into compliance, bring it, uh, the current network state, maybe that portion of the network or whatever it is so that it aligns with our reference architecture, which is another way of saying the intent. So keep that in mind, the intent based networking, right? The intent part of that, the intent, my intent as the network operator is that I'm running a clause topology, which is, which exists inside this, uh, this big jumble of, of code as a reference architecture. Now I know it doesn't fit or rather it's misaligned. There's a discrepancy, push, co- push, push configuration to fix it, bring it into alignment and then check it again. And then keep doing that. And that's where we have the closed loop workflow, which is also a very important part of, of intent-based networking. So I believe, again, I'm, I don't work for an intent-based networking vendor. So I've developed my own definition based on what vendors are doing, based on the many conversations I've had uh, in, uh, with, with, with vendors, and then with other people that are, you know, just work independent. 
And then in my own research, I think all those components are, are integral parts of intent-based networking. And if, if several of them are missing, you, you're really more looking at an advanced orchestration pl platform. So really, you're looking, you want to see a closed loop system, you want to see continual validation, and you want to see some sort of autonomous error correction uh, occurring. In that way, you have um, uh, kind of, I'm going to say autonomous network, but uh, that's kind of a pipe dream, right? Because there's <laughs> going to be some human intervention. You're yes. going to you're gonna, you have your one-offs, but that's the idea. So I'm speaking from a very high-level perspective here. But, but you know, you can see how we're heading in that direction, and that's, that's the idea. So now you have consistency of configuration among your devices because that can be fixed automatically. You have a greater incidence of efficiency, let's mm -hmm. put it that way, or, or accuracy. You have more efficiency as far as configuration, which you had with... Um, you know, basic automation, but now it's in a closed loop and done automatically. So you have fewer errors. And so that problem of managing a, let's say a huge data center, um, which is typically very inefficient, very cumbersome, uh, very error prone, um, and very device by device oriented, th th that problem is solved in this way. Yeah, no. So I, I think we're on the same page with what IBN is. I I'm totally with you on everything you said. Um, the concerns that you already mentioned or brought up, not concerns, sorry, wrong, wrong, wrong language there. Um, you brought up the, the closed loop system. You brought up um, the eventuality of the IBN to kind of become itself and make the changes that it needs to make, which I think, I think that's probably the biggest step that people are having a hard time being okay with losing control. Um, in my experience is like that conversation with people is like, um, yeah, no, I want to have that interaction. I want to have that, that intervention and I want to be able to approve everything that they're doing. So it's almost like you want an IBN solution. You want to have something help you manage everything, but you still want to have the control on it doing something versus it not doing something. Yeah. And that's why I believe that a, an IBN platform is very difficult to back into a, an already, you know, a production network. You're trying to, you know, shift your your methodology, your NetOps, in your your massive data center to a completely different paradigm. That's not a trivial task. So I do think that there is more uh, likelihood that this technology will be adopted, especially greenfield. Um, but you know, that's and and I do see it working in conjunction with other technologies. It's not like you're throwing out your data center and building everything from scratch necessarily either. Because remember, when you're we're talking a lot about interfaces and BGB configurations and all these kind of things, it's very um underlay technology, right? You can still you can still have your your VMs running over the top and with uh, you know NSX or whatever else, whether technology that you like, your VX land, technology, you know, VX VX whatever. Yep. Right. So that's all going to be running over the top anyway. So it's not like you're ripping out and starting over, but it is it isn't a trivial task to to back an IBN platform into a data center. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, you know, we joke about the snowflakes and networking. There's a lot of those <laughs> snowflakes. And yep. yeah. And so so the reference architecture that I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of vendors are going to create their own reference architectures kind of built into their platform. So a company will uh, say, all right, this is what a the best best practice, this is what industry standards for class topology is, and that's what it is, right, in, in built into the platform. But what if yours is not quite that way? So there's going to be a lot of customization where you're going to work with the vendor to create those reference architectures ahead of time, or you're going to have to have the skills and the ability to do that on your own once that platform is in. So it's not just as simple as, you know, we, we're going to buy this platform, bolt it on. And uh, it's got it knows what it's supposed to look like, and then let it run. So I do agree with you that you know it's it's kind of difficult to let go of the control because you know the, you know the fail fail often fail fast. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, that's, that, I live that. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, I sort of don't like that in networking. You know, you go to a, go to a major medical facility, you know, a hospital chain. You know, I I, where I work over. in right where I work in downstate New York, just north of New York City. Uh, you know, hospital chain I'm working with, you don't fail fast, fail often when you're talking about operating rooms and stuff. You want stability. Yes, <laughs> very, they're very risk much. adverse. I mean, they're, they're not going to do anything, exactly. right? So Exactly. <laughs> and, and for good reason. So, exactly. Um, and so, you know, the case is a little bit more difficult and, and uh, you have to kind of make the case of, well, are you really solving the problem at that point? And that's where you start to get into the use case. Um, to me, intent-based networking seems to make sense in those larger organizations where you have an unwieldy, unwieldy data center. I didn't use that word quite right, but you have a data center with tons of tons of stuff going on. And you're rolling out applications enough where you are making changes. It's not a, it's not a static uh, network. 
Um, you know, I, I have customers that are actually very large and their networks are relatively static. Yeah. So th- it would be a hard sell to say, hey, let's rip everything out or let's change your whole thing. Like, well, why? You know, there's no reason. So so the methodology um, makes sense when uh, you're talking about very large organizations, not necessarily very large, even mid-market, but we're, we're, especially when you have a lot of changes being pushed out and therefore you have to touch the network often. Constantly. Yeah, I got you. Um so one thing I was going to say is that we didn't mention, um, and I don't even think we had it in the outline notes, right? So um, is kind of, and I call it the, the governance model or like governance in general or business governance. Um, like, so all these, all these concepts, like we talk about SDN a lot, we talk about IBM, we talk about all these things, right? Um, we talk about technology on the grand scheme, or on the grand scheme of things, technology, right? But these, these are really... Um, solutions and some of them are so simple as running an IGP or running BGP to maybe some more complex that's running an SDN or IBN or whatever. But really, in the end of it all, like there's there, it has to solve a, a problem that that an organization's having. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, going from as you mentioned, you know, an IBN is not gonna. It's gonna be a lot harder to get an IBN solution working in a in a, a brownfield environment or whatever, right? And a lot of times, I see. Um, those environments, a lot of the issues aren't the environment itself. It's not the technical stuff. It's not the devices. It's not even the technical staff. It's really the the governance and how the um, the organization is 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 got policies in place and, and processes and standard operating procedures that that just hinder technology to solve the issues. So it's it's not always a technology issue. Actually, I think it's ninety nine percent of the time not a technology issue. Nevertheless, it's still this is still a new uh, still a shift in network operations that will slowly but slowly but surely will creep into especially the larger data centers that are pushing applications, because there's going to come a point when you're trying to make money by pushing out applications to your end users or to your customers and you just can't do it or you're changing that things are break you need something so so in spite of uh, the government's governance yeah despite in spite of issues with governance and regulatory bodies and with the culture of your IT department things like that you know there's going to come a point where some organizations. Make a change, and they're gonna they're gonna hit that 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 point that tipping point, if you will. Yep. So I think it's important to kind of dig in now into what what is intent, right? What is uh, and then how how do we actually do this? How do we get there, right? We've talked about all you know the abstractions and the stuff, but sure, okay. So it's important to remember that the intent is what the network operator wants to do with the network. What do you intend for the network to be doing? And it could be the entire network. So uh, one thing that IBN seeks to do is look at the network holistically or systematically, however you want to, whatever word you want to use there, as opposed to little tiny little snippets of this is what here and over there. And you want to look at what is the network supposed to be doing um, kind of holistically. So that's one thing. Um, And, and, you, you want to focus then less on your um, micro configurations like, you know, applying service policies to interfaces for QoS and things like that, and rather on macro configurations like deploy QoS, um, you know, or deploy, uh, create BGP adjacencies for this application, you know, they're, they're, or we're going to run voice uh, in our northeast branches, you know, that that's a macro configuration. It still requires all those micro configurations, but it's going to be abstracted away from the network operator. So our intent is then to run voice over the Northeast branches or to uh, create BGP adjacencies in this manner, right? And that's going to exist as a reference architecture, as I said earlier, which is represented by lines of code, whether that be Python or C code or whatever that people like to use. Um, so there's your reference architecture, also called a benchmark or a blueprint or things like that. Predetermined states represented logic- logically. So that that's your first abstraction. The second thing is going to be and it's, I say the second as it's a thing, but it's all the millions of elements of your actual network. So the key uh, to make this work is that everything is abstracted. Now, to be fair, everything sort of lives in software anyway, right? When I'm configuring a VLAN on a Cisco switch, that's technically software, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still accessing the software, but I'm, I'm what, uh, in, what an IBNS or an intent-based networking system is going to do is abstract it even further. So I'm not configuring interfaces anymore. I want to configure a clause topology. Let's stick with that one, right? I don't, I'm not going to touch interfaces. And, and the IBNS is going to pull uh, IP addresses and ASNs automatically from pools that also exist as lines of code. And so now 
you have this entire system of millions and millions of, of individual objects that exist and that therefore this is why it's taking so long to get this uh, new paradigm of, of network operations kind of going and off the ground. There's a lot of work there. Um, and, and you abstract away everything in the network. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. I'm on, I'm on the same page. You fully abstract everything into the system and everything becomes an element or an object or however you want to reference it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and the IBN, IBNS, right? So the, IB, the S on that means solution, right? Or, or system, or whatever system. you want. Okay. So yeah, the IB, I was just making sure that I was assuming. So, um, and if I had the question, I figured someone else might have the question. So in, in the IBN, IBNS, right, that, that everything's an object, everything is an element, whatever term you want to use, and that, that IBNS configures it and manages it moving forward. Right. And that means everything. So every IP address, every interface, every potential cable connection, every you know uh, MAC address table, every BGP configuration, every actual device now, you know, so so once you start to break it down, it turns into or look at it that way, it turns into millions of objects. And so it is a gigantic database. But not only are they just millions of objects and each of them exists as lines of code again. Right. They uh, they have to relate to each other somehow. So, for example, I have a Cisco switch or an Arista switch. All right, so that's a that's a, that's exists as an object, but it's it contains a bunch more objects, interfaces, and ports. Or yeah, there's physical know, objects, but then there's there's things object. that right there's things that are part of that. So that's kind of a parent group now. And then it has attributes, and each individual port has an attribute, whether it's 10 gig or one gig or 40 gig or 100 whatever. So you you actually start to um, you start to see like level uh, abstraction inception <laughs> where you have levels of abstraction where this switch represents actually a whole bunch of other attributes as well. And, and the really difficult part of intent based networking is figuring out how do I, um, how do I manage this immense database? And it's, it's a relation, not a relational database, but it's a, it's a gigantic database, a distributed database of millions of objects that all relate to each other. They form connections with each other. Connections is the software development term in the intent based networking literature. You're going to see relationships used a little bit more, but they're all relating to each other in some way. Like this switch goes, has this BGB configuration and this interface belongs to that router and things like that. So that, that's actually a problem, uh, that different, that vendors solve differently. Does it make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. So the actual languages that are going on, like, um, you know, they're, they're, you're going to see a lot of Python. You're going to want to see, like I said, you're going to see a lot of structured data in JSON, things like that. You're going to see Ansible, Swagger. Um, and then, and that, and that's how that, all those logical abstractions exist. Communicating with the network devices, that's not as interesting because we've already been doing that for a long time. And so you're going to just do whatever you need to do to get configuration pushed to the device. So once you have your IBNS, your intent-based networking system, kind of trying to do these things to these devices, it's going to communicate with the devices using, you know, uh, CLI over SSH, SNMP, NetConf, HTML, you know, or HTTPS, whatever, um, whatever, whatever you can do to, to, to access the, the device and its subroutines. Um, cause remember you're going to be pulling information to validate and you're going to do whatever you can. And different vendors do this differently to alert the IBNS that there is a, a, a discrepancy that this device or this configuration is different than the reference architecture. Send an alert. So you're going to want to do all that stuff and that, and that's, that's pretty difficult to do. So, like an example might be like this: this uh, spine in a CLOS topology doesn't have a loopback address, or something as simple as something like that, right? Yeah, it could be anything, as long as there's a deviation in the net uh, in, from the reference architecture. You know, that's governing that. Um, yeah, yeah. It, there, there's and and vendors do it differently. You know, so for example, I know. Um, you know, Abstra has agent-based uh, methodology where the device will have an agent on it, right? And it will send an alert, a notification to the IBNS, which they call AOS, um, to, to say, hey, there's a problem here. You know, let's look at this. Um, and it could be that, you know, this this something simple, right? This this port should be a trunk port, not a, or this should be this VLAN. So something along those lines. Or there is um, security configuration mi- missing on this EIGRP adjacency, right? Yeah. So so things that are relatively simple, uh, but there's a discrepancy, something is wrong. Um, so, w- w- you know, one thing that we should, would, which we should say is that intent-based networking is not like, I made the joke a long time ago in a video that it's not like, Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge on Star Trek The Next Generation, where he's just like, computer, you know, 
design and build a claus topology and it just does it all it's it's not that that would be cool and uh and i actually changed the um the voice command on the alexa sitting in my kitchen to computer so i could be like jordy laforge <laughs> right there, um, we, just, we just went way down into nerd and geekdom huh yeah yeah that's hey, awesome, listen, awesome you brought up star that. trek in the beginning when you said enterprise i did i did so, i i didn't realize i was doing it until i did it so Oh, I realized. But but that's the idea is that we're we're not there. We're not doing that. We are eventually our maybe architecture. long term. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> but right now our, our reference architectures are this is what a claw topology look like. This is what our WAN topology looks like. And if it's not built in because it came with the with the platform, it's we created our own reference architecture and then built from there. So that that's the reality. Um and, and I'm not trying to dumb it now. That's a good reality. I, I'm really excited. Yeah, so we have to create those reference architectures for everything. Sometimes, right? yes. And and we also have to create those those workflows, those CI/CD workflows. Yeah, and a lot of that's going to be baked into the platform. And and you're going to work with these vendors to develop that. They're not going to just sell you a box. That's not exactly how it goes. They really are selling you a new way to do NetOps. So you're going to work with them to develop sometimes custom reference architectures for your your setup. Um, and then, you know, the how, how that's going to integrate. And that could be a, a pretty intense project, especially if it's a production data center. So I got a question, and it might not be a valid question, but it's a question I want to ask. So so uh, like in a, trying to get an example of what what could be a workflow or what could be a reference architecture um what about like like maybe compliance like um hipaa compliance for like let's say a, um, a hospital or whatever um would that be something that that could be pushed through an ibn solution with a reference architecture and like ci cd workflows yeah anything that's going to exist on the devices can be a reference architecture right and remember we're talking about devices so it can't be you know, a philosophical thing. It has to be configuration that's supposed to exist and that the way, the you know, devices that are supposed to be in this MAC address table of this device that's and not right. this other one, yeah. right? So as long as you can spin it in those terms, not spin it, but as long as it, it um, uh, you know, manifests itself from from actual devices, uh, then yeah. Yeah, what I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm, you know, my brain's just moving here, right? I'm thinking sure. like, like you can go through and say, okay, these are the HIPAA guidelines I have to, I have to follow, right? And these are the things I need to do. So create a reference architecture for my environment that follows HIPAA standards or whatever standard it might be. I'm using HIPAA as an example, um, and then apply that reference architecture because that that's I, the IBM uh, server or. Um, solution would have that reference architecture, reference architecture in there for each each architecture, right? Um, again, we're we're looking at data centers in the the class architecture, but um, and it could be HIPAA specific that could have whatever the HIPAA ones are, right? Uh, the HIPAA controls or whatever, and it, that the whatever specific CI/CD workflows. I mean, that could be really customized for a business model or a vertical model. Yes, and that's and that's one thing that you're seeing is that uh, the vendors that are uh, um, in this space are actually you know they've been very focused on the data center, um, but they're starting to expand and they are starting to advertise. Now I I don't work for any of them, so I can't tell you with great detail what they're doing, but they're advertising that they're starting to expand into other verticals. Uh, so you know there's there's definitely a lot of work to do. So as I've explained, we're talking about millions and millions of objects. Somebody had to somebody had to develop that, and I have some friends that work at these companies, and that's what they do all day they write they have to figure out okay there's a cisco 9300 you know catalyst 9300 switch like we got to create code for that so we can represent that logically inside our system because remember a lot of these guys want to be vendor agnostic so they're going to have all sorts of vendors all sorts of platforms they want to be ready for whatever you have running in your network so they're going to create all that stuff and all the different configurations you know all the different ospf configurations that you might they all have to exist they want them pre-built because because they're trying to sell you a product that's the the value there. So I wouldn't want that job. Just saying, <laughs> that'd be quite a <laughs> no, tedious a job. job. But yeah, that's a totally yeah. different job. Yeah. But all right, cool. I think I digressed a little bit. All right, let's continue. Sorry. Sure, sure. So so now that you have all these millions of objects, right? Um, what you're going to do is start to create things called data models, right? Because you have a massive distributed database uh, of objects, and that that poses a problem to an IBNS because it's real time, right? And you're trying to incorporate that into a CI/CD workflow. So network basic network automation, when you just have some Python scripts and maybe some inventory files and Ansible templates and things like that, that's relatively simple. And IBNS is going to use data models to uh, logically model the entire network, or at least logically model um, portions of the network, right, uh, including the reference architectures and then all the available network resources. So the, the data models is kind of the next level up of, of, of abstra abstraction. It's basically an abstract representation of the relationship 
among the data. So how do the interfaces relate to the switches and you know, how does that work? And if you've ever seen a picture of like a graphical database, graph theory, and you can see how things relate to each other, that's what we're talking about here. Now that we have all these millions of objects, well, well how do they relate to each other? We, you know, we don't want, we're trying to remove the human intervention. So how does the, the device, the IBNS, the operating system of the intent-based networking vendor, how does it do that? So we're going to use data models to do that. And then, um, so I'll, I'll give you an example, right? So a data model might identify interfaces, right? Routing processes, uh, of, I don't know, spanning tree configurations, whatever, that together, together, all used together represent a switch, you see? Because, you know, each each individual component isn't a switch, and a switch isn't just a switch. It has all those individual components that exist as code. And so that's why it's like another level of abstraction above that. Well, that makes sense to me. I mean, I have a, a computer science background, so like this, mm-hmm. this is like object-oriented programming. Like, that's exactly right. That's exactly what it is, and it, it exactly makes perfect right. sense. Like, and and But the thing is that vendors solve this problem differently. So to give you an example, what happens now that we have all these millions of lines of code and we have data models, um, you know, Abstra is going to use a graph database, a graphical database to solve this problem. That's the method that they chose. You can read about it on their blog. Um, And uh, uh, Forward Networks doesn't do it quite that way. Um, They're able to use very complex mathematical algorithms that I can't even hope to understand to represent everything as, you know, mathematical equations and algorithms inside of their database. And so that way they can say, okay, every time packets come in with this little bit in the header, you know, there's bits there and numbers that they can plug into um, functions and, uh, and manipulate them that way. And determine paths and determine other information based on that. So you can see that that um, vendors are going to do that differently. But ultimately, they're doing they're trying to solve the same problem. Now that we've abstracted the network, and again, the net the abstraction um, resulting in millions and millions of different objects. How do we handle all this? And how do we identify the relationships between all these things so that way we can operate in real time and then in a closed loop where everything is just going and relatively autonomously. At least that's what the dream is, right? Yeah. No. I'm, uh, yeah. That's the dream, right? Yeah, that's the dream. So I'm going to stick with the graphical database for a minute. So a graph database, if, if folks aren't um, necessarily familiar with that, yeah, got to go back to your com- computer science days <laughs> for sure. Yes. You can use that to represent the entire database of objects and all the relationships among them. Among them. That's that's the point, right? So, so each in, yeah, go ahead. Think of like OSPF. It's it's okay. pretty similar to a graph database. If anyone if anyone doesn't know what a graph database is, think of OSPF and how you find. Everything in OSPF, it's really similar to graph theory, graph, a graph database. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So in a similar way, um, all the objects in a graph database are called nodes, right? Yep, yep. And so that's OSPFE. Um, and uh, <laughs> like and that. each node- That's a new yeah. term. We got to market that term. Yeah. That's my adjective. Um, and each node represents an element of the network, right? Like like an interface or a BGB configuration a policy. Yep. doesn't have to just be a config of a thing. It could be a policy, um, some kind of a constraint, a business constraint that you have, like a HIPAA compliance thing, right? Um, or a device or a reference architecture. The reference okay. architecture exists as nodes as well. And so to an IBNS, it's all just lines of code. And that's why you, it works when you put all of this into an, a CI/CD workflow that's closed loop. You could say, oh, you know, let's compare these to these two. This is the relationship between this switch and this reference architecture. There's a problem there. Uh, I'm oversimplifying. And and so let's kick off this uh, this script or this workflow to fix that. So that's why we do it this way. But again, it's it's difficult. And uh, to go even deeper, the graph database is, is managed by, you know how in Active Directory you have the schema, right? Yep, yep. So you have a schema, which is this the actual definition of all the different attributes of what a password is and all these other things, right? You have the same thing in, in a graphical database where you have a graph schema, and that governs the attributes of all the nodes and relationships to one another. So it gives you the framework to define your terms and attributes and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and some of the vendors out there actually open source that. So you can go and kind of create your own uh, schema for your, your graphical database. It's pretty neat. And then once you have this entire database built out, whether it's a database, it's a graph database, or it's a mathematical model that you've built of the network, um, you can query against it. And so that's how you start to develop that workflow. Does that make sense? Now that you can query against it, and how you do that is different among vendors, and there's problems there as well, I can say, all right, this is what the network looks like right now, accurately. And all of a sudden, we have that, that, you know, 
that single source of truth that we always joke about, right? But it it is the truth here. This is the source of truth. It's what's on the devices, where it is right now, discrepancy or no. And uh, and now you can you know move forward. You can say, all right, let's fix that issue, or that we're in a good state, you know. And 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 that's how that works. So that's where the the beginning of the continual validation process comes in. Okay, this is all making sense to me here. Yeah, there's there's definitely I think a lot of um, a lot of hype out there about what IBM is, and people are missing the boat, and so they're using the term to in, sort of synonymously with orchestration. And I think from having just kind of you know done a brain dump here from my research from the past couple of years, it's it's a lot more than that. It's the next level beyond um, orchestration. All right, so I think that I have a question that I was kind of holding off on. Hmm. I um, probably can't answer it. But <laughs> I'll give it a try here. Um, so, so where does software-defined networking, and I'm being vendor agnostic when I say this, right? So, where does software-defined networking fit into all this? Well, I mean, SDN is a is a kind of an umbrella term, isn't it? I mean, we've been using it for a long time, and it's meant a lot of things to different people. So, SDN is the idea of representing your you know your devices and your network and software and managing it via software and that's meant so many different things you know some of the more palpable or or, or tangible um, manifestations of SDN are probably SD WAN um, you know and that's really cool uh, some people have called like network automation with Python and Ansible and SaltStack and stuff like that SDN I get where they're coming from but I tend to disagree because there's the lack of real-time change validation and autonomy of error correction and stuff like that, which is, I think, where SDN has been trying to go, like this concept of abstraction and then self-operation at some point. So that's how I think it fits into the whole SDN umbrella. It's, it's, I, really ha- I really think that it's one of the things that we all sort of thought SDN was going to be. And then we started using the term weird. And then we started misusing the term or, or whatever, right? I mean, I think that's, I think that's what we all kind of thought. I think we envisioned that SDN was going to be this, and it, it, it hasn't been yet. So, no, no. Well, I mean, I guess again, the whole marketing thing, just like IBN has become a marketing yes. term. You know, and then what what happens is it goes through the hype cycle. Things start to flesh out. Some vendors change their terminology, whatever, and then you end up with the actual. All right, this is what you know SDN is turning out to be. This is what it actually win. is, right? Exactly, exactly. And and whether that turns into platforms that you can buy or just a new methodology, that's that's fine, right? Because you don't necessarily buy network automation platforms. I mean, I guess you could. There's some vendors that do that. Um, but um, it, it's generally kind of homegrown stuff. So you, you develop a new methodology. Great. So there are, there are some concerns that we should consider, um, at least in my opinion. Um, th- there's, you know, especially when you get into the larger data centers, um, interoperability becomes a concern because, you know, you might have a mixture of white box, Juniper, Arista, Cisco. And so you want to apply the, an an IBM um, methodology and you want to go purchase a platform or whatever, but you have all these different vendors and then different platforms among each of those vendors. So you need to find a, um, an IBNS that can interoperate with all of that. You know, and that to me is is still a little bit of a ways off. I know that they're working on it from having conversations with these with these companies. That is absolutely something that they're working on, so that they can be ready to go with any vendor. And I've seen some really compelling stuff where, um, you know, they're they're advertising, oh, we got this to work with Cisco and Arista switches and this particular technology. That's really cool. Um, but that's that's still kind of a concern. So if I am sitting there as the CIO or the director of a or data center manager, whatever title, um, and <laughs> Somebody's pitching me this and saying we can fix your network autom- or net- network operations headaches with this with this solution. I'd be like, well, geez, is that going to work with everything that I have? Is this going to be a nightmare to implement? Do I have to wait for the next couple of iterations to come out before you can support everything I have? So that's something to consider. Um, Greenfield, right? A little easier because I'll just be like, well, what do you support? Oh, you support a risk? Great. Put in all of those. Yeah. And it works. Um, so, so there's definitely that component. And, but I really do believe that that will become less of an issue over time as these uh, vendors, their platforms mature. So, so if I can add to concerns here, I sure. didn't put it in notes, and it was just kind of mm-hmm. this is just for us discussing this, right, and talking. Um, one of the concerns I would say is making sure that that for people that are listening, that that you, if this is something that you're doing and you're trying to utilize, you know, an IBN solution or 
the concept, not the concepts, the methodologies here and the CICD workflows and all that kind of stuff and the reference architectures that we're talking about. Like, um, I think, I think you have to tie it to like the business uh, priorities and the requirements. You have to, you have to get the business involved somehow because I don't, I don't know if that's going to, I don't know if you're going to be successful without that. I mean, it's a technical thing, right? We're talking very technical. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, we're talking about automation orchestration and all these things, right? But if you don't bring it back to the business side and tell them the benefits they're going to get with it, um, you know, they might not be on board with it and then they might not, um, they might be on board with it kind of, but then they might not let you get what you need to be successful. Oh, and that's always the case, isn't it? Yeah. With any technology, with anything. I I had a conversation with somebody recently, a a customer and, you know, SD-WAN was, is so compelling to so many customers and they were like, it doesn't make sense for me. So we talked about it and I'm like, you know what? You're right. It doesn't. I mean, for, for the way their organization was set up, the number That's of funny. links they had, where the locations were, how many locations they had, they're like, who cares? And we looked at it and I'm like, it would be cool to do this, but you're not going to see much return. So from a business perspective, you know, we're going to do something else. And, uh, and that was weird because, you know, as a guy who's plugged into the industry and loves talking about new technology, I'm like, nah, we're not going to do it. The same thing with intent-based networking. I mean, you have an IBM platform and you're talking to some company and you're like, well, you know, it's going to cost me this much money and we're going to have this much downtime or, you know, we have this much complexity in our environment already or even, even, even uh, probably more likely. Um, and where I, where I live in, um, in upstate New York, a couple hours north of New York city, you know, other than like state government, we have some GE facilities. Most of the organizations around here are mid market, what we would call mid market, right? They're not pushing out a new application every week and they don't have data centers with, you know, two floors and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of racks, uh, or rows and then thousands of racks. They're not doing that. So it's going to be a harder sell for those organizations that um, that don't have that level of complexity, even if it's a large organization, and that don't have that level of um, or that frequency of of change in their data center. Um, there there was a concern for a time about uh, IBN platforms and IBNs having to cater to the lowest common denominator as well. Um, so oh yeah okay I'm going to accommodate Cisco, Arista, Juniper, Cumulus, Linux, all these things. And if I'm going to interoperate, that means I have to choose a configuration that works with all of those devices. And I can't accommodate those features that works on one, but not another. But I really want that one, but we can't. So there was that concern for a while. And I'm starting to see that sort of go away. Um, but th- those are definitely concerns. You know, Does it make sense for your company that does not push out uh, changes uh, as frequently as you know the web scale companies or things like that? And, and it's not necessarily size. It, it really isn't. Um, I mean, if you have... 10 racks of servers and you are pushing out changes like crazy because of the nature of your business, it still might make sense. It's so it's not necessarily purely, Oh, I'm, you know, I have a thousand racks. It, it, it's really, it depends on more than that. It's not just scale. It, it's, it's really going to be based on how much you're doing, not, not how much you have. Yeah. And of course there's inherent complexity that comes with scale, even in a simple network. And I've worked on, uh, you know, global sized networks and data centers. And, you know, I was surprised with how simple they were, but there is some inherent complexity, you know, just managing a number of devices. Um, so if nothing else, intent-based networking will, will help with that component of network operations where you're not managing devices box by box. Um, and in that sense, you know, you're really just talking about network automation, um, and you lose all that other value, but nevertheless, that's, I mean, you know, if you're looking for a platform to help network operations in that way, you can do it. So I think there was one other concern. I don't know if we talked mm-hmm. about it. it was a, a ROI or, or return on investment. What are your thoughts on return on investment for an IBM solution? Well, we started to touch touch on that already as far as the return on investment. You know, am I put, putting out those changes uh, or am I pushing out those changes to my data center uh, very frequently? If not, you know, is it worth the money to overhaul, uh, you know, rip and replace gear uh, even? You know, how, how do we do that? You know, um, and just the the time it takes to do that, because uh, some of the vendors are agent based, some aren't. You know, you might have to deploy and then discover the network and work with this vendor for for months, tying up your staff. So the return on investment uh, may absolutely be there if it will decrease the complexity of network operations, the cost of your network operations after the fact. Um, if it decreases the amount of uh, incidents that you uh, incur because of the human intervention factor, um, you know, and and again, it's scale and and frequent uh, deployments. It would. 
Yeah, I was going to say that uh, when we talk about return on investment, investment or cost isn't always money. It's it's time. It's it's manpower. It's all these other things is really cost, and you're getting that back with with stuff like this. So, yeah, potentially, potentially, um, there is a cool factor as well. And cool. I and the thing is, yeah, well, there is right. Yeah. There is. And and I have this conversation. I'm sure you did as well in in your previous days that. Um, Customers like to talk about emerging tech from mm-hmm. time to time. Yep. And there's definitely a component of building trust to say, yeah, I know what's going on in the industry to an extent, right? So we can talk about that and where it makes sense. Um, that's an interesting conversation. How do you position emerging technology to customers? But nevertheless, it's it's still a conversation I have, but it's never manifested itself in, all right, let's go buy this thing. <laughs> um, now, that's not to say that people aren't because these companies that are putting out these platforms are selling their product. So it does work. It, it, it's, I don't believe that intent-based networking is purely hype. I think that it, the term has been misappropriated from a few different vendors. But at its core, it is definitely a compelling technology that's more of an amalgam of other technologies applied in a new way. So I, I really am excited about it. And I, um, I'm really excited to see where intent-based networking goes over the next few years as it creeps into other parts of the campus, or rather uh, other parts of the network, including the campus and WAN and things like that. Um, and as these particular vendors, and there are very few of them, uh, mature and continue to develop so they can uh, accommodate that interoperability factor and, uh, and, and, you know, continue to mature in that way. No, I think this has been great, um, Phil. So um, I appreciate your time. Do you have any last minute kind of comments or thoughts you want to leave with all the listeners? I think we covered it all. Um, just keep in mind that intent-based networking really is about abstracting everything in the networking, the network, putting it in a database, and then finding those relationships and then being able to manipulate that data, use it to discover the network, and then take action against that database. That's what it's all about. It's about a closed-loop system that's uh, somewhat autonomous. Um, where you can do continual validation. Um, and the whole point of it is to solve the network operations problem. If you're looking for a problem solution you know, statement, it's to solve the network operations problem, which again, as we kind of closed uh, a couple minutes ago, doesn't necessarily exist for all companies. And so um, it's not necessarily the right solution for every uh, data center out there. Yeah, true facts. That's true, man. Um, so uh, before we before we close out the show, um, uh, do you want to give a, a, a kind of call out to where where the, the listeners can find you on the interwebs? Sure, sure. So you can find me on Twitter at network underscore Phil. You can find my blog is networkphil.com. And on my blog is my uh, email address if you wanted to email directly. And then I have a LinkedIn page. You just throw my name in there. So... All right. Um, and I can I'll add those in the show notes for everyone if you would like to. So, great. Um, well, hey, again, Phil, I, re- I really appreciate your time. This was great. I think this is great content. I hope to get you on the podcast uh, in the near future. Great. Thanks, Zig. Yeah. Hey, friends, nerds, geeks, and Ziglets. That's going to close out today's episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where we highlighted intent-based networking, or IBN for short. You can visit zigbits.tech to access the show notes. Today's show notes will be at zigbits.tech slash 42. Wow, it's been a while. If you liked today's episode, if it inspired you, resonated something within you, or provided a level of real-world context, let me know. You can find ZigBits on all of the socials. That's Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook by searching for ZigBits. You can also send me an email to feedback at zigbits.tech. As always, I appreciate and thank you all for listening. I really can't do this without all of you guys out there. Don't forget to join us in two weeks for another episode where we will continue to provide you with real-world context around technology. Bye for now.